Good evening, everyone. We're broadcasting live. May 18th, 2016. Tonight's uh, quote is from the Melinda Panha. And without context, it's simply a description of the virtues of a virtuous person. Ten virtues of a virtuous person. It's interesting to learn the context. Um, it's not necessary, but it is interesting because um, the reason why he the, the Melinda Panna is a, if I haven't mentioned this before, it's a very large text. Um, well, not, it's, it's a sizable text with um, questions and answers between King Melinda and Nagasena, who was an Arahant. And it's really a great book for getting some insight into um, the Buddha's stance on various issues and on uh, dilemmas which uh, are presented by the text, by the, by the, the canonical texts. It's so valuable that the uh, Burmese edition of the Tipitaka, I understand, includes the Melinda Panna in the Kudaka Nikaya, even though it's much later. But uh, it's definitely worth studying, worth reading if you have the time. So this, the context here is, um, is discussing suicide. Na bhikave atanang tabang. One should not destroy oneself. Whoever does show so, yathadamo uh, karitabo, should be dealt with according to the Dhamma, I think. Which means uh, if a monk kills himself, there's a pen. I think there's a, it's, actually, I don't know. It's interesting. If he's dead, then, well, I think if someone tries to kill themselves, then you should, they should, uh, they're guilty of an offense. So I, as I understand, I'm reading the Pali, and as usual, my Pali is not great, but it looks like Melinda, if I remember correctly as well. He says, well, the Buddha says this, but he also says that jatiya, jaraya, biadino, and so on. Uh, he, he teaches the Dhamma for the samuchedaya, for the cutting off of these things of birth, old age, sickness, and death. So if he teaches the Dhamma for cutting off birth, old age, sickness, and death, what's wrong with killing yourself? Because if you kill yourself, these things only last up until death, and if you kill yourself, then you don't have these things. And I guess the idea is, uh, why wouldn't an arahant, because an ordinary person, obviously, it's not an escape. If 
you kill yourself, you're just going to be born again. So, but why wouldn't an arahant do it? I think that's what he's saying. And then he said, "What is? Why? Why can? Why does he teach both of these? Why can these both be true? Well, if he teaches one, why does he say it's wrong for an arahant to kill themselves?" And the Buddhists, and and then uh, Nagasena says, "Well, this is because a silava, a virtuous person, sila sampanno, agadasamo satanang, is like." And then he gives these ten, uh, these ten similes. One who is virtuous is like an antidote for destroying the poisons of defilements and beings. So if you have a, if you have this sickness of greed, anger, and delusion, what is the antidote? Where do you find the cure to the defilements of the mind? If you have an anger problem, if you have an addiction problem, what is the cure? The cure is a virtuous person. And by this, he means an arahant, someone who has understood the truth and who has freed themselves from all greed, anger, and, delu and delusion. If you find such a person, they are the antidote. And if you uh, partake of them in terms of listening to their teaching, associating with them, listening to their teaching, remembering their teaching, understanding their teaching, and putting their teaching into practice. You can cure yourself. They are the antidote. Mm -hmm. That's the first one. There are ten similes. The second is they're a healing balm for allaying the sickness of defilements in beings. So if, you're, if you have the fever of defilements, Defilements are seen as a fever. Greed is a fever. It makes you hot and bothered. Uh, anger is a fever. It makes you. It burns you out. Delusion is a fever. It makes you drunk and uh, uncontrollable. But this is a healing balm that cools and soothes and heals your sickness. Number three is like a precious gem because they grant all beings their wishes. So there's this special gem in uh, Indian mythology, a wish-fulfilling gem. So this comes up in Buddhism often uh, as a simile, talking about the wish-fulfilling jewel. This jewel, if you have this, it's like the genie in his lamp. But in Indian mythology, it's a gem. And if you rub the gem or if you possess the gem, all your wishes come true. And so an arahant, an enlightened being, a virtuous being, is like this gem because they give people what they want, happiness. You know? Sometimes we don't even know what we want. We think we want something and... See, the, the, an arahant obviously can't give you riches and so on and power, but they can give you what is what you need. I guess you would say, they can't give you what, what you want necessarily. But what we want is always happiness. We want certain things because we think they bring us happiness. We want satisfaction. 
we're just deluded into thinking that things that are unsatisfying are going to satisfy us. We're deluded into thinking that things that are impermanent, things that are uncontrollable, are stable and controllable. But an enlightened being, when we follow their teachings, uh, we find what is stable, satisfying, and controllable. Well, not controllable, actually. Put that one aside. Stable and satisfying, anyway. That's number three. Now, number four is like a ship for beings to go beyond the four floods. So the floods are Kamoga, Bhavoga, Avijoga. I forget what are the four floods. Overcoming the defilements, overcoming the 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 asava, avijasava, avijoga, right? I think that's it. So kama, sensuality, the flood of sensuality, bhavoga is becoming the flood of becoming. Titoga, uh, I think the third one is is views, the flood of views. And the Vijoga is the flood of, of uh, ignorance. But in general, it's just another way of describing the defilements. But the idea of the imagery of the ocean is a common one. That samsara is like an ocean that we all drown and we flounder around in, never seeing the shore. We're just lost in this vast ocean of nothingness and meaninglessness until we find a ship that can sail us. Because if you're just swimming around in the ocean, you just go around in circles, you get nowhere. But if you have a ship, you can cut through the ocean. You can go in whatever direction you like. You can find the shore. He, is like, he or she is like a caravan leader for taking beings across the desert of repeated births. So rebirth is like a desert. We're always thirsting. We're always hot with our defilements and our addictions and our aversions. And the suffering that comes from old age, sickness and death, we, we suffer like being in a desert. But a caravan leader can lead us through these things. Is like the wind here. She is like the wind for extinguishing the three fierce fires in beings. This is greed, anger, and delusions. The wind, they come in and they douse the fly fire. They blow the fire out with the power of their teachings. They are like a great rain cloud for filling beings with good thoughts. So like a great rain cloud fills up the lakes and rivers brings rain and waters the crops and cools the, the, the land. So too a great leader, a great teacher, a great being, someone who has purified themselves. This is someone who is enlightened and why they should, why they should stay or stick around. 
because they have so much to offer. The world is dry without enlightened beings. Without them, it's you can't grow anything. People don't grow spiritually, not in any meaningful way. Just go around in circles, dry up like crops without water. Like a teacher for encouraging beings to train themselves in what is skilled. It's interesting, it's like a teacher, as opposed to just being a teacher. Acharya Samo, but it's an interesting because in many ways an enlightened, the enlightened followers of the Buddhas aren't, Buddha aren't considered teachers. We don't, we don't consider ourselves to be teachers per se. We're friends, we're good friends. Why? Because we give good things. We, not we, but well, you know, we as in Buddhists who practice, we, uh, we have good things to give. And so, I mean, an enlightened being, an arahant, has the greatest to give. And, yeah, so we don't consider, we should never, even if one becomes enlightened, one would not consider oneself a teacher but rather a friend, someone who offers advice and passes on the Buddhist teaching. But they're like a teacher, because they do the same. They, they might as well be called a teacher, because they encourage beings to train themselves. And finally, like a good guide for pointing out to beings the path to security. So we're lost. We're so lost. We're going in the wrong direction. We're uh, running around in circles. Can't find the way out. If you've ever been in a large forest, it's quite scary. Easy to get lost. Easy to lose your direction. And you're constantly uh, misjudging. So you end up running. It's very easy to go around in circles because you think, oh, maybe I have to go a little bit to the left. And you constantly think that until you wind up back. I did this once, wound up back where I started because I actually walked in a circle. It's very hard to get out of the forest if you don't know where you're going. If you've never been there before, if you don't have direction, if you don't have a guide. But someone who has been through the forest, who knows the forest and who knows the way out of the forest can guide you out of the forest. So that's our Dhamma for tonight. Reasons why not to kill yourself. It seems like killing yourself would be, you could easy, more easily explain it potentially by just the idea that a, an enlightened being would have no reason to kill themselves. And killing yourself would require a desire for it to all end. So it, it seems like an arahant wouldn't have any desire to stick around, but they would just stick around and wait, you know, let things work themselves out. But uh, it seems like there's something a little more here, like the idea that they do things. They eat alms, for example, why they don't just stop eating. They take alms because of this, because of some sense of duty or some rightness to passing on what they have gained. And it seems they do. Our hunts have seemed to teach and pass on the teaching. 
rather than just kill themselves. Hey, we got a whole bunch of people online. Good to see. Good crowd. Thank you all for showing up. Uh, so it looks like the iOS app is still in the works. We're going to try to, I'm going to try to proactively revamp this website. We've got a new version of it, but I just haven't put any effort into getting it online. So I'm going to work with the person. Um, but that also means probably that the iOS app has to be fixed for the new server. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to work together to make this all and get it secure as well. The server has to, our whole server has to, apparently has to have some kind of, you know, the HTTPS thing. I don't, it's not, it's a bit beyond my pay grade, but uh, somebody knows how to do it. So we got to all work together to make this happen. If anybody wants to volunteer in our organization in any way, we're always looking for volunteers, I think. I think we are. Um, anyway, get in touch, and if we need volunteers, we'll let you know. As usual, as per last night, we're still looking for a steward. Uh, so if anybody wants to come and stay with us for a while, um, starting in July, That'd be great. Let us know. Um, right. So we got a couple of questions. Does anyone know what are the five skandhas? We call them khandas in Pali. Khandas are aggregates. And these are rupa, the form. Uh, vedana means feeling. Sanya means recognition or so on. Sankara is uh, mental formations, and Vijnana is, con is consciousness. So when you see something, there is the physical aspect. There is the Vedana, the feeling about it, pleasant, painful, neutral. There is a recognition, you, you recognize it as a cat or so on that you see. Uh, there's the mental formations, means you judge it or you like it or dislike it or so on. You, examine it and you react to it and vijnana just means the consciousness that the fact that you're aware what does unsystematic intent attention mean Unsystematic is just a loose translation. That's not really what the... I think that's referring to ayoniso manasikara. Ayoniso means wise. Ayoniso means unwise. So when you, pay, when, you, uh, when you observe something and you react to it, this is when you like it or dislike it, when you let yourself get caught up in reactions to it. If you have ayoniso manasikara, it means you see it wisely. You see it as impermanent suffering and non-self. You see it as it is permanent, unsatisfying, uncontrollable, you don't get attached to it. You see it objectively, just as something that arises and ceases. That's wise attention. But wise is probably better than systematic. Are all fears instances of instances of dosa? Yeah, bhayanyana isn't doesn't fear, according to the Visuddhimanga. Bhayanyana doesn't fear because fear is always associated with patika. 
actually it's not the Visuddhimagga, I think it's the commentary or the, the, the sub-commentary to the Visuddhimagga asks, does Bhayayana fear? No, it doesn't. I think maybe the Visuddhimagga is the one that says, no, it doesn't fear. And then the, the commentary to the Visuddhimagga says, why doesn't it fear? Because fear is always associated with patika, with aversion. So it's not really fear. Bhayanyana isn't fear. Bhayanyana is seeing the danger. When you see the danger in being reborn, you see the danger in, uh, in attachment, that kind of thing. It's like when you see if when you see fire off in the distance, this is what the Visuddhimagga says. You see fire off in the distance, you think, wow, if anyone falls into that fire, they're gonna burn themselves. But you yourself don't you're not afraid because it's all it's over there. So the jnana itself isn't afraid, but during meditation, of course, it's, it, you can be afraid. It's just that the fear isn't the jnana, the knowledge. Visa for Canada. Uh, six months, usually. Usually you can come to Canada for six months if you want to extend it. I think there are ways to extend it, but there's probably a lot of paperwork involved. I just got back from New York today. We drove since morning. So, um, Saturday, Sunday, we've got something at Cambodian Monastery. We might have another meditator tomorrow, we'll see. But I'm also going to try to make it over to my father's house. We'll see how that works. How am I going to work that? We'll all be around. Next weekend is Vesak. Don't forget Mississauga if you're in the area. Saturday the 28th, come on out. Are there any other questions? When a monk or arahant or so forth passes on, would they be mindful like when falling asleep? I.e. trying to be mindful of each moment to the moment of transition. On Arahant, when they pass on, they aren't born again. Um, as for a monk, well, monks can be, of course, corrupt. So um, doesn't say anything just because someone is a monk. Let's let's ask if a meditator would be mindful, like when falling asleep. Not like when falling asleep, because death isn't like falling asleep. Death is uh, like an out-of-body experience. The body stops working, so the mind leaves the body, you know, stops working with the body. It takes sometimes it takes a lot, but but the mind eventually is uh, you know, over a period of time uh, sees that the body is you know it's it's reacts to the fact that the body is no longer working properly, and that's why it leaves. 
So you have either a near-death experience if the body starts working again, or you have a death experience if the body doesn't ever stop, start working again. And then the mind goes on and does whatever, maybe back to be born again. But if you're mindful, it's just this process becomes a lot smoother and you're less likely to make improper choices as with everything in life. During the time of death, it's um, probably pretty quick. There's a lot that goes on and if you're not mindful, it's easy to get lost and go the wrong way. Uh, the 20th here is actually waste. The 20th in Thailand, I think, is Waisak. Maybe the 21st, some first, some places. But the 28th is when we're having our celebration here. So it's just a big thing here in Canada, in Ontario. Okay, well, I'm going to go. It's been a bit of a long day, but uh, I'll try and. Well, this next little while is going to be a little bit erratic, but for the next week or so, we should be fairly, uh, fairly stable. So I'll be, be back again tomorrow, most likely. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. Be well.